from Acts 17 and verse 27. I'm going to read just the one verse and then we will, we will be seated. That they should seek the Lord if haply they might feel after him and find him though he be not far from every one of us. Now let me entitle this message this morning, Not Far. Can you say that with me? Not Far. That's the title of our message. But uh, let's lay our Bibles down and let's lift our hearts and ask God to anoint us and the word today. Shall we? Let's pray together. Father, Lord, as we step into your presence right now, we ask, O God, for a mighty work of the Holy Ghost. I pray that you will anoint your word, anoint each of us, Lord, as we stand before the word of God today. And I ask God for the anointing on this frail vessel, and we will give you praise in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. You can be seated. So, I'm taking my text from Acts 17, as you can see. Paul was strongly opposed in his ministry by both the Jews and pagans. And the context of the scripture that we're reading here in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 17, in chapter 16, we see that he was arrested and put in jail. That's probably the most famous of the, <laughs> the most famous of the chapters in the book of Acts, the most famous being Acts 2. But then after that, we're all familiar with the earthquake coming and shaking the jail, and they had been put in prison. Well, they were put in prison because of opposition by the Jews, and the, the faith of Paul, the faith of Christ, was not received because there was religious championing, and so they opposed Paul. And the same was true of the Greek religion, which we tend to refer to as either mythology or paganism. And in chapter 17, we are confronted with that. So we find in chapter 16 an earthquake, and they were put in prison, they were in the stocks. Suddenly the earthquake comes and shakes. Everything breaks open their bands. It was a miracle. The miracle was that the earthquake, everybody say praise the Lord. I may not have a lot of voice, but the Holy Ghost is here today. He wants to, he wants to show us something from his word. Hallelujah. And he is working in the midst of his people. So there they were in, in a building that, that we would just call the prison. Now, there's a whole lot of discussion about what that prison was like. Of course, it was thousands of years ago. But they were in there, and the earthquake shook it, knocked the doors down. The miracle, an additional mindset of that miracle, was that they weren't all killed. Everybody should have been destroyed because an earthquake shook the place. But God can shake the place, and everybody be left standing because God is a mighty God. And so our text picks up with Paul here in Athens in chapter 17. Chapter 16, they get out of prison and they, the Bible says they're waiting on Timothy and so they go up into Athens waiting for Timothy to decide where he's going to meet them because they're spreading the gospel all over Asia Minor. And Paul in Athens is stirred up by the fact that where everywhere he goes, he sees statues to the various 
gods of mythology. The Bible says in verse 16 here of our text that the city was wholly given to idolatry. And so I suggest to you today that if God can take care of Paul in the midst of Athens with all of the worship of all the varied gods, then he is able to take care of you. I don't care what it is you're facing. Hallelujah. We One day the doctors walked in and said, your baby has this particular irreversible condition. But how many knows that God can reverse the irreversible? God can do the impossible. That's the kind of God that we're serving. You may say, but I'm bound and... And I can't be set free from it. But God is able to break the bands. He's able to set you free. And he's able to take you through. No matter what the culture may be. The Bible says he found one of the idols that was labeled. And the King James puts it in capital letters. If you have your Bible open. It's verse 23. To the unknown God. And that really stirred Paul up. And so Paul was getting ready to sort of tangle with the philosophers of the temple and of Athens. So he was faced here with the idolatry everywhere, all kinds of gods. Someone even said it was impossible to count the number of gods. It wasn't technically impossible, so we don't mean that. You could probably count them. They're not like stars. It's not that you couldn't count them because of the number being so high but because there were so many unknown gods that were worshipped. People would worship. It was like a sense that they were concerned about everything, so they would worship images, and not just statues of, of, you know, a lot of the gods of the Greeks were half human, half half divine, and so forth, and maybe they had wings on their feet, and, and this was all mythological. It was the idea that these gods were able to help them. It became the base of Greek worship, the worship of multiple gods everywhere. So there would be a god over here and a statue over there, and here was the god to the unknown god, meaning, of course, that the ancient world didn't know who or what to worship. And Paul was stirred by it, that uh, God, if you were worshiping the unknown and you did all these other gods, it was impossible to comprehend who God really was. Now, the Greeks worshiped hundreds and hundreds of gods, thousands, who, this is by some counts, so many different gods' names, some of which have never even been unearthed in excavation of the, of the era. But there was the famous Parthenon, which was the most important ancient Greek temple ever known, maybe the largest ever built. And, of course, it still stands all uh, broken down, but it's at the top of what is called the Acropolis, And it's still there. But that was, and Paul was on Mars Hill. He was looking up to to that temple fully fully built. It had been built about 400 years earlier and had become the center of, of the worship of whatever God you wanted to worship. It made no difference who you were worshiping or what you were worshiping. And there was all kinds of gods. But, of course, the temple at the Parthenon, was built to the goddess Athena. And perhaps you remember that she was uh, she was known for several things. She was 
at times worshipped as the goddess of war. So she was, a, though a woman, she would wear war garments and, and she would like leading and so she became the goddess of war. But she was mostly known, and this is why Paul is uh, confronting it here in Athens, she was mostly known or considered as the goddess of wisdom. And Paul decided at the foot of the Parthenon, where thousands and thousands, not like today, I don't know if you're hearing of all the economic woes that are, t not just Europe. In fact, let me tell you something, folks, and I know some of you are, are, are just, you're wondering where in the, what, what in the world are we, uh, are we doing here today? I'm telling you that the Holy Ghost is getting a church ready for the end time. He's trying to show this world that there is more than just mortar and stone, but God is more than just something you made up in your mind. But God is real, and God is invisible to the eye, but discernible to the soul. Praise God. And so we come today to Apostolic Tabernacle. We know that this world has been filled from day one with idolatrous confusion. Who, who is God? Who are we supposed to worship? Maybe there's a goddess out there. And there's all this new talk these days about female uh, gods and, and goddesses and so on. It's just a very interesting thing to watch. As people begin to contemplate, oh, you can't have a male God. You can't, you've got to have a, a female God. And, 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 and that's because of this. And I mean, it's amazing to hear the, the human heart attempting to contrive what divinity is really all about. And so they build their gods according to whatever concept they have of God. And this is what stirred the apostle. Because let me tell you, friend, you will never change God. God is great. Psalm 48 and 1. And greatly to be praised. He is a mighty God. He is an awesome God. He can do what nobody else can do. You do not invent God. I don't invent God. Now I can get up here and jump up and down. I know it, it shatters some of you to see a big tall guy like me jumping up and down and, and moving around and just, you know, oh my goodness. I know it. I know it's a little, you think, oh my goodness, you know, do people actually uh, 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 speak in tongues? Do they actually, uh, you know, what's going on in this world? I want to tell you right now, God's word breaks all the molds. It breaks all the concepts of the human mind where someone might say, well, this is, here's my construct. Listen, if you were just going to sit down and invent religion, there's all kinds of things you can do. And the human mind is capable of inventing uh, all kinds of things. But there is something so powerful about the truth that your, your human comprehension can never grasp the greatness of God. God is great. Now, Athena... The idea that some of you think I'm just being hard on the Greeks and even talking about their economy. I'm not being hard on the Greeks. Their, their economy is about to collapse. And, and I'm going to tell you something else. I'm going to say it. Some of you won't like it, but I'm just going to tell you right now. This world is about to see trouble 
like it has never seen before. Jesus is coming. Someone said, is this the president's fault? Is this the Congress's fault? Is this Europe's fault? Is this Russia's fault? There's a big thing in the Congress right now because Russia's over there about to take over and so on and so forth. All the unrest that's in the world. Some are saying, what are we going to do about the religious turmoil and the, and, and, and the let's, let's just use the term ISIS since that's the common uh, terminology for this latest uh, uprising. And, and I'm telling you folks, you need to listen to your preacher today. This world does not have an answer that they can manufacture in their own intellect. But there is an answer. There is an answer for the heart of man. You can know God. Now, Athena, they built her a temple that had 46 columns on the outside, 23 on the inside. That thing was about 228 feet long and a little over 100 and some odd feet wide. And, and all the things that went on in that great that, that great Parthenon. Of course, Parthenon means, well, anyway, it, it means wisdom. So they, they built a temple to wisdom. They built the columns so high, it would, it would just absolutely, you gasp when you look at the sight of it. But today, it has crumbled to the ground. And I tell you that in the great spectacle of Paul's day on Mars Hill, that God was saying, there is more in this world. There is more than what you can see with your eye. And so Paul began to preach in verse 24, God that made the world, he dwelleth not in temples made with hands. He doesn't dwell in temples made with hands. And folks, I want to tell you something else. I know I, I, I'm, I feel something deep in my heart. I know this is the will of God, but I want to say I'm just feeling so many things in the Holy Ghost here. The church has got to be alive and it's got to stand up to all that is seen in our world as okay. The church stands up in the midst of all the columns of religious thought and the church stands there and says, wait a minute, we're still against prejudice and we're still against evil and we're still against unrighteousness because God is great and we are standing for the God that made heaven and earth. So looking up from Mars Hill, he could see a world that knew not God. And he cried out, God made us in such a way that we can seek the Lord and not end up in a mythological emptiness. It's not just about emptiness. Religion that gets us nowhere. No matter how wrong we may be, we are not left to the God's of this world. God is able to help us. Someone said, well, I, you don't understand it. I'm bound by whatever it may be. I'm bound by alcohol or I'm bound by uh, whatever. Maybe you just, you just got this little world and that's all that you care about and that's got you bound. But it is essential that we recognize that in seeking God, if we are seeking God, we must go beyond our intellectual ability. It is not just 
okay, I'm, I'm going to learn a little bit of language, but we have to seek after him, my friend. You can feel him, not just know things about him. So verse 27 says that they should seek the Lord if happily they might feel. Everybody say feel. Feel after him. I feel in the Holy Ghost today to let you know, to say it clearly, that there is no such thing as right religion that doesn't get to know and feel after God. If you will let yourself feel after the Spirit of the Lord and let yourself feel the touch of God, then God will reach out to you. So, it doesn't, doesn't it make sense that a real God would be smarter than any man or woman? That it would be smarter than something made of wood or something made of stone? Or we'd have some image of some, some God? No, totally comprehending God is not where you need to start. Knowing everything, Hebrew and Greek and so on. I've studied Greek for years. I've studied Hebrew, teach it in the university. And no, I enjoy that. But all the learning in the world is not going to bring you into the presence of of God you've got to feel after God so you look at it this way happily perhaps of course that's the word perhaps perhaps they might feel after him and find him though he be not far from every one of us okay there it is now I teach language I enjoy teaching it and I've earned a, a degree in Greek and an ancient language and so on that's all wonderful and that's great that's something I enjoy and I'm talking about the, the Greek mythology. But I can assure you that no amount of academics or learning can replace the need of the soul to find God. What it is that's happening in you, the same is true, say, of fun or pleasure. So we get people, and I know that young folks laugh at that, the idea that it's not all about just getting, uh, you know, running with it and getting a car. And man, life's all about this new car, and it's all about this pleasure-seeking and this new movie and that new thing. And they think that's going to bring satisfaction, and of course, it can never do so. So fun or pleasure or money or addictions can never bring satisfaction. But... Whatever God you have been chasing, it will not and it cannot satisfy the soul. So, the good news is that every one of us, the Bible says, every one of us can find God. Can we just lift our hands and thank God today? That God is able to touch lives, touch our friends, our neighbors, our loved ones. But we know that you are able today to touch us. Every one of us can find God. But the problem with finding isn't the distance. The problem with finding God is not that he's lost somewhere and we need to locate him. You see, this is not what's going on in your life. The problem with finding God and the search is not the distance. It's not a matter of where God is. It's where you are. 
If you can feel after God, do you see what I'm saying? If you can feel after God, the Holy Ghost is trying to break into your heart and your mind. Are you willing to get past yourself and your knowledge and your understanding? Sure, you're smart. Sure, you've got it. Money, you've all the things you dreamed of. But at the end of your dream, will you have found God? That is the question. Will you know God at the end of your dream? I don't know what's happening economically. I know they're, uh, they're working hard, all the politicians. and uh, Just pray for, for our leaders. But whether or not they can fix what's happening universally, I don't know. I am concerned and I pray daily, Lord, help people whose savings and their, uh, and their retirements and all these things are, are, are placed in, in, in the hands of banks and what, what, what if there was to be a, like the Bible describes in the last days, a world calamity of such proportion that, that people's whole life would, would, would be lost? And, and the answer, the question would be, what, what, what would I do? What would I do in a, in a world where, where everything's turned on its ear, as they, they used to say? Paul is trying to speak to us, to take a step to that deeper level. Of course you need to try to understand religious things and understand how could there be a God? How could God create out of nothing and and all the scientific and all of that? Uh, And why why were there dinosaurs? And and could God have created or did we evolve from all those? Those are fine questions. What I'm trying to tell you is in the end, your intellect cannot do it for you. You're going to have to do more. You're going to have to feel after God. So we're going to have to get beyond the intellect and you're going to have to pray and search yourself and reach for God because there is more than just what the mind can conjure up. So some people spend all their existence searching and roaming and intellectualizing and trying to gather things in the barn and, and, and hiding and running from God. But that is not what you want, my friend. Someone says it seems like God is a million miles away. They never feel after God. They never find out the real distance to finding God. And that distance, my friend, is not far. The distance to finding the Spirit is not because God is off in some other place. The Holy Ghost is going to remind you of the words of Acts 17 when you try your best to say, oh, well, look at all these religions, ideas, and that preacher up there, I, 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 don't, I, I don't have any responsibility to that. I can't know which God. I don't know who's telling the truth, all these different churches and so on. Zeus or Athena, whoever it is. Where is God anyway when you need him, someone said to me recently. Where is God? And the Holy Ghost will remind you, I'm not far. I'm right there. That's where God is, and he was there all the time.
He was right within, however, not far. Someone said, well, let's measure it. I'm not sure you can measure how not far is, but it's not far. The point being that it's not the distance that is keeping you from him. You can say it all day long. You can say it's this or it's that or I'm having fun or I I just can't be bothered. But it's not the distance that's keeping you from God. The Holy Ghost has been talking to you at night. He's been working inside of you. So what I'm, I'm doing my best with what little voice I have to obey God's voice. And I'm trying to help you see. So, so let me say it. it let, me, let me say it this way in, in conclusion. That all of this, all that I'm saying about the, 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 the building temples and all of the religious ideas that men have. All of this that Paul said about he's not, he's not far is just another way of saying that God loves you. He never leaves you. I don't care if you're in prison. Now, we're going to baptize a bunch of folks here in a minute. So if you can stay, stay. But, and I want them to get there. We're, we're making that transition. We're getting ready to baptize folks. But the Spirit of the Lord is reminding us that God loved us when we were completely unworthy. When we were as unworthy, we're, we're unworthy now, but we were certainly unworthy when God was standing right there. We couldn't see him, but somehow we knew over our shoulder there was a God standing there. The question is, are you going to feel after him or just say, I know he's out there somewhere. Friend, you've got to come to a place, and I'm talking under the anointing. You've got to reach a place that you get past just knowing something and begin reaching. Someone told his wife, I told you I loved you when I married you 40 years ago. And it sticks. She'd been fussing that he never said he loved her. And he thought because he told her that 40 years ago, and how many knows that's a bunch of hogwash? time to reach the distance like the God that continually reaches for you in fact he may be unseen but I can guarantee you if you could see him whatever that distance is his hand is extended towards you I have a little 11-month-old grandbaby that all I have to do, well, really, I don't want to, my other two are not in here. It's true of all of them, but they're older now, and I can't talk this way about them. You know, the minute you reach four, you're grown. So, you know, Grandpa, don't hug me in here. I'm four. You know, okay, sorry. Sorry about that. I'm just a kid myself, but you're four, so... All I got to do is this. I do like that. And she starts reaching herself. And when she does her arms like that, 
Now, her mom's teaching her English and Russian at the same time, which is wonderful. Because here you have an 11-month-old grandbaby, and you don't know if she's speaking, babbling, or speaking Russian, or trying to say something in English. So a lot of times I'll say, okay, say that in English. I say this to my 11-month-old when, when her mom's not in there. Is she, is she in here? She's out, right? Oh, good. Hallelujah. And I'll say, uh, okay, say, say that in English, honey. And she'll be talking, you know, trying to say, and she can, she's getting little words. I'll say, say that in English. Uh, say, and I'm trying to figure out what she's trying to get, get from me. Folks, I want to tell you something. All the time that you thought you were figuring all this out and building your world and your columns and everything was perfect, God was over there with his hands reaching out to you and they were nail prints in his hands and he was saying, I love you. While we were yet sinners, he loved us. He cared about us. Oh, hallelujah. It's like the little woman with, come on, let's stand. I've got to stop. It's like the little woman that when the doctor said, it's hopeless. And she went to Jesus and said, I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. And so she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. Now someone said, how far did she have to go? How close did, what, what did she have to do? I know one thing, there was fear. There was, there was nerve. She wasn't a very outgoing person. It's very obvious. And she didn't even want it to be public. She just wanted to reach and touch the hem of his garment. I'm telling you today, when you get to the place that you want to feel after God, everything in your world is going to change. Your home is going to change. Your life is going to change. Praise God. Hallelujah. Come on, let's love him one more time. I'm going to wait down here while the preacher gets ready to baptize. Father, today, Lord, as we gather for prayer, Lord, help someone to reach the distance, however far it may be. I know it's not far, but whatever that distance, I pray that they'll touch the hem of your garment. We thank you for it. If you could, let's gather as close as we can to the front. We're going to have a moment of prayer and Nobody's going to ask you to do anything you don't want to do. But if you would like to pray, why don't you join the saints as we gather. We'll be dismissed from right around the front. But wherever you are and whatever you're doing, let's reach out to him right now. Come on, saints.